Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DVS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Chip Frederick. It'll be a long show where we'll talk about Vanderbilt's bad performance at Florida this weekend, hosting implications, whether Vandy will have enough pitching going forward, all kinds of stuff. So anyway, hope you enjoy or at least find beneficial today's episode with Chip Frederick. Chip Frederick joins me. It's Monday morning. Vanderbilt got swept at Florida. He's now lost eight of its last nine in the league on the road at least. I can't remember who the road series was before that. Uh, Vanderbilt has fallen out of first place, not just for the SEC's overall lead, but in the East as well. Uh, The math I did last week on basically what does Vanderbilt have to do not to be a host or a national seed now gets refocused. And Vandy's best two pitchers don't throw this weekend. Well, I guess Devin Futrell did throw. He's probably one of their best three. Would be for sure. Andrew Dukanich, we still have not seen in, in two months. Um, yeah, a lot to unpack. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, a little troubling weekend, um, to say the least. And I think when you look at uh, what happened this weekend in Gainesville, which it seems like we never play well there, I think it's been ages since we've had a good outing there. And I don't know if it's just the Bermuda Triangle of SEC locations that we don't do well uh, at that site. Um, Florida has a lot to do with it because they got talented players. But I think when you look in the entire body of work, that's what's happened since the Tennessee series. Yes, we go to Knoxville and just get bullied up there and lose, you know, three games and it, none of them were really close. We turn it around the next weekend and beat a very good Kentucky team who's now back in the number one RPI slot, it looks like. Um, and sweep them at home, although there were some there were some moments in that series that were a little contentious and and the games were really, really close. But just the last six have not been good. even the even the four one victory at Alabama was solid. You would say the victory at Louisville was a little, you know, it, it, it got a little hairy and it should, the team showed some grit and some fight coming back. but all too familiar this weekend in Gainesville. It reminded me a lot of what happened in Knoxville and, and this team for whatever reason. And I know that there's, there's, there's differences. And I always say between excuses and reasons, and you could say an excuse would be if you take the top two pitchers off this staff, then what are they on paper? But just the response on the offensive side, not being there at all is troubling. And, and it reminded me a lot of what happened in Knoxville, I'm sure that had some PTSD from some fans watching that, just saying, you know, we've seen this whole thing all over again, the same same chapter um, that we saw in Knoxville and what we've kind of witnessed since. You just wonder if this team had its, you know, heart ripped out in Knoxville or its manhood, whatever you want to call it. But um, as I, I sent you a note over the weekend you know, is this team, and they did have the benefit of playing Missouri, Georgia, Mississippi State, um, and Ole Miss, those two teams at the bottom tier. 
and how do you judge this team with three games left? And that might be the discussion for the postseason, but is this team being judged by how they did against those in those 12 games against the bottom tier teams? Or is it against the Tennessees and Florida? And I think a lot of people would say, you know, how you've played against the top tier teams in the conference. And this team, uh, this edition, this 2023 version of Vanderbilt baseball has not responded. And they know that, Chris. I'm, I'm not telling, you know, these guys know it. The coaches know it. The players know it. There's a lot of soul searching going over there. They've got a team in Arkansas coming in that's battling, trying to win the West. Uh, and and a very formidable team that just took two out of three against South Carolina. So a lot of answers um, are going to be out there uh, for this team to answer. A lot of questions to be answered and and um, whether they can come up with a performance against MTSU on tomorrow night and, and get this ship righted. Because if they don't, it, and it can, continues to spiral. And we all know that baseball is a streaky game it's it's a game that affects offense and defense it seems like simultaneously and right now this team's in a hole and if they don't get out of it it could be a short trip to hoover and then some real troubling issues coming into a regional which you would hope of i think i think unless they could as we said they could lose every game probably and still host but boy the national seed would be gone and I still think they're the first team out if the discussions, you know, well, we don't want to have so many SEC teams as being national seeds. I think we're out right now. I think we're on the cusp of that 7 through 11 on the national scene as far as a, if you rank the top seeds, 1 through 16. And we're falling every time that we have performances like we'd had uh, this past weekend. So not a fun weekend. A lot, a lot worse for those guys coaching and playing it over there. But as a fan, it's concerning, and, and uh, it's not moving in the right direction as we enter the last three games of the season. If by some miracle they take the series from Arkansas this weekend, right now Kentucky's number one in the RPI, Carolina's three, Arkansas's four. They will have taken series from three of the top four RPI teams, uh, I guess number two in there would be Wake Forest, which they won't play. And just for point of argument, let's say they go two of three. They will have gone seven of nine against the top three in the RPI. Is there any way they don't get a national seed at that point? And do I think that's going to happen? No, I think they get beat this weekend. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, well, if, if it depends on who's on the hill. And, and all uh, nothing has, that has been shown in the last – you know, 72 hours or what have you from viewing what happened that you'd have um, Owen and, and Holton back for this weekend. And that's, you know, it's a short week. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as all conference games are the last week of the season to give some rest for the SEC tournament. But yeah, I would think if they take a series that that gets you in there. But, you know, it, that's a tall task against a team that's got a lot to play for. And um I don't know, man. And then you and you see you see LSU getting beat two out of three in in Baton Rouge against a team that was basically on um, you know roadkill on the side of the road with all indications that a very good chance that Lamonis was going to get fired that could get fired in Mississippi State two years after winning the national championship, and then they go down there and take two out of three, which is, gosh, you know I'm sure the as good of a season LSU is having that a lot of people aren't happy about that. That's a, that's a huge monumental win. Any time Mississippi, that's the rivalry that goes back to the Will Clark days and the 
you know, all those Paul Bird and Spruss Springer and those, I mean, those, those matches that they had, those two teams. And, you know, LSU, I, I think Mississippi State has a slight chance of still making the tournament, if I'm correct. I'm talking about the SEC tournament, right? I, I think if they, they've got to do some damage this weekend. But the craziness of that happening just shows you, and, and it, that's your only saving grace if you're a Vanderbilt fan. It, it's like schadenfreude. I mean, the, the, the term of you just you feel horrible about yourself, and then you wish bad things to happen to other people, and you look up and you go, oh, well, that makes us feel a little better that LSU gets beat two out of three uh, at home against Mississippi State, who we beat by 20-something runs in, in a game. Sure, but that doesn't answer the question that you need have answered, the, the questions that you have about your productivity at the plate, your depth in the pen, why your guys are getting shelled. Um, as Tim Corbin has said many times before, you know, those guys are on scholarship too. They go out there, they're expected to perform, and we have not seen anything, nothing in that three-game series at Florida suggested that we ever were in striking distance of the Gators. Nothing. It, it was a it was a bully job, and just like it was in Knoxville. And um, man, it, but it, it it just goes to show you the craziness of number one that you had a Mississippi State beat LSU, but number two, just how many teams, and there have been some exceptions, but it is tough to win on the road in this conference. It is really, really hard. Uh, Mississippi State did it, of course, but you look at the other scores and what happened, and this league is is as crazy as I've seen it in, in many years uh, where you've had some teams um, do some remarkable things, and they turn around, and they just lay an egg. And and um, the saving grace for Vanderbilt is there's yeah there's time to do some damage here the last weekend and right the ship but they they have not given those indicators here in the last nine to twelve games with the exception of the Kentucky series to to get it done. Do you think we see any of Owen? Little, uh, not little. Good grief. Uh, we won't see Christian Little at Vandy. <laughs> um, no, he's just, that's he's that's not. the one thing I can predict with accuracy. At Owen, Holton, or Dukanich the rest of the season, and one B would be if we do see any of them again. How close to peak form are they? Well, if you take each one of those three, we haven't seen. I mean, Dukanich has pitched what six innings the entire year, and his sample we just don't know. We don't know what's going on—a hamstring injury, from what we can tell. It's a, if it's a push-off leg, then that can just take a lot of time to heal and most pitching is done a lot of people think that uh who don't know that pitchers uh you know they it's all arm it's not it's your lower half it's it's using your legs it's the it's the arm whip um you should, i mean take you have pitchers all up and down if you think of major league pitchers all along that threw gas and and you and they were string beans out there it all has to do with the torque and the hip turn and the legs and um, so we don't know about this hamstring. If if it's debilitating enough, then they're not going to take a chance on it. And it sounds like he's had some setbacks. On uh, the thing that's puzzling to me, Holton has just not fared well in the last several. I mean, he had a decent outing. I forgot his numbers. And when he pitched against Tennessee um, in that game two, I think it was, or was it Friday night? I'm not sure he what had it a was. Great outing. He, it was Friday night. Yeah, he he pitched well. Yeah. And then the Kentucky blow up, um, you know, he did not pitch the week well the weekend before against South Carolina at all. Couldn't get out of the first. 
And then he rebounds against Tennessee, but then the Kentucky game, he was pitching uphill the entire time, swimming upstream, fighting. Every inning was a battle. And Alabama and it, was awful. Now, yeah. And so, yeah. And so it just worries you that you're not sure if it's what kind of tightness, if it's elbow or arm, uh, if it's mental, if he's rushing himself too much that we've talked about in the past. Owen is the head scratcher for me because when he's pitched, he's been dominant. He kind of went away. I think it was the Missouri series that he did not pitch. Is, am I correct? That's when he so. kind of took. Yeah. And so there's some time in between there. And then when he's come back and he's thrown, he's pitched really, really well. It's just then all of a sudden he's it's he gets scratched on Sunday and they you knew something had to be wrong when they inverted the rotation and he moved it around, scrambled this past weekend and he goes on Sunday and then Sunday morning we get the notification he was scratched. So I think a lot of these uh, teams around I mean Vanderbilt's not immune to it. You look at Ole Miss, what's happened to their staff. It's been decimated by elbow injuries. You look at other programs around the country in the in this conference, just in this conference, it is uh, – and maybe we you know, we might need to have uh, – suggested sometime. I think I could probably get them because I think it's a – I've got a surgeon friend of mine here locally, maybe have him on a podcast, maybe after the season if we can do one and get him on there because he's he's a sort of the Tommy John specialist – in this area and see what he's seeing, because I think this is something that it is. I mean, you never used to see this as much as you're seeing now. And to get an expert's opinion, I think would be enlightening to see, to talk about the hum, human elbow and the arm and, and what's going on with a lot of these camps and driveline and, and trying to rush the throw to 90 miles an hour, because there, it, it, it's, I know kids are stronger. They're lifting more. There's more arm programs, um, but something just not adding up. Um, I didn't really answer your question. Do we see him this weekend or the rest of the season? I think it's probably improbable that we see him this weekend for some reason, unless Owen is just more of a maintenance thing and the, and he tweaks something. Um, gosh, Dukanich, I mean, you're at the point now, Chris, where, I mean, if he pitches a, a likely time would maybe be in the sec tournament when the games really don't matter. Those Wednesday, Thursday games, uh, just to see what he's got. Redshirting doesn't matter, as we talked about last weekend. He's he, he's draft eligible next year. So if it's just a hamstring we're talking about, I say throw him out there whenever he's ready. What difference does it make? But there's there's a chance when you get these guys and and their handlers and their future agents uh, and those guys who parents, you know, I mean, sitting there leaning on them and going like, do you really want to risk this? That happens a lot more than people realize uh, in this league. It happens at Vanderbilt, I'm sure. I mean, I know it does, as a matter of fact. I think there's some influences there that go beyond coaching staff that they're being told one thing and they need to weigh their options for future. And that happens more than any sport. I think it maybe happened in basketball with uh, – who was it last year in basketball that set out that um, – they were advised not to play. I forgot who it was. My mind's scrambling, but I think Last it does happen year? a little bit. Yeah, or was it two years ago? That's happened so like a few times Garris in basketball. Garland? Where, yeah, well, that was well, – Garland was years ago, but that decision was definitely made. They sit there and they weigh, you know, right. look, I'm going to be a draft choice and 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 um, high draft choice, and what are the options that I finish out this season? And the 20 years ago baseball player, my friends who played, and guys who they're like, you know – 
let's go gut it up. Get out on the mound and play, you know, pitch, do it for your team. This team needs you. All those things. I'm not saying that they don't care, but that ship is sailed, Chris. That that used to yeah. be the case where guys would go out there and I know R.A. Dickey when R.A. Dickey threw 150 something pitches in a regional and at UT when he was at UT and did that and didn't think twice about it. Those days are gone, and and um, there's much more emphasis on arm care and future reliability, and that's not going to happen. I don't think anytime at this program and any other program in the conference. Yeah, um, now they're in a spot where it seems to me they got to have those arms, or they got to at least have two or three. If he trails the third guy, and they're pitching pretty well, I think. Two guys that can give you ace outings, that's good enough to win a regional. You just need to get you know a couple of wins there um, in those situations. And then by the time you get to Sunday, if you're in the winner's bracket, everybody else's pitching has fallen to shambles usually. And they're probably no worse shape than everybody else at that point. But now they're in the spot where – because the last thing you want to do is get sent on the road to some – bandbox of a ballpark where that's not going well for them against a team that can really slug it. So now it's more than just getting to the postseason with those arms. It's kind of to the point where, well, to get to the postseason, you need <laughs> you need one or more of those guys who wasn't available last weekend to step it up and pitch well, or else you don't know what's going to happen. So now they're really in a bind. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster. So go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Yeah, Chris, you, you definitely don't want to get sent to a place like that. Like a, you mentioned, a, a, a band box or a place where there's a short short fence and and then you're you're really testing. You know, it's it's all about pitching and you're going to have to have the offense to support it. And, and this team... Uh, offensively and, and let's just I mean these are facts I'm going to tell you and and you know it, it's in looking at it comparatively to these teams and I know that Vanderbilt has the run differential they're they're leading up to the top of the categories as far as production and runs and a lot of that of course had some lopsided victories early on but you know we we have one player hitting over 300 one LSU has three guys hitting over 400. They have six guys hitting over 300 and they have eight players hitting over 290. And we have one player right now hitting over 300 on our, on our roster. 
And, you know, you add those up, those differences of, of where these numbers and the, and the categories are falling on the hit side. And they just got manhandled this weekend. And I think there's going, they're going to a, a, a part of it that I think a lot of guys are guessing. They look confused at the plate. Uh, they're getting a lot of two strike counts deep into counts where it's one, two, oh, and two. Um, I don't see as much opposite field hitting, putting the ball in play. Uh, and you, you start reading the body language, but that's a telling stat right there when you've got, and you've got a, and a, a, now not yesterday, but you've got your four hitter hitting 255. And, and that's a little troubling to me too when you look at the stats and when Bulger is hitting in that spot. And I don't know if you're at a point, Chris, where, you know, my goodness, Espinal's not tearing it up either at 239, but it, it was almost as if, this weekend that O'Sullivan, I mean, and I don't know if you noticed this, when they got on first, they were gone. They, I mean, it, it was open season on the stolen base side, especially early on in the, in the weekend. And um, you wonder just it, 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 what's more important. Is the arm behind the dish and the defensive skills more important or the bat? But certainly, as we talked about again, if, you're, if your DH is batting in that spot – and when he's not catching, he's not still DHing. Something's a little amiss there. Um, but the numbers at this point in the season don't lie. You faced almost, you faced ninety percent of your SEC schedule. I'm looking, of course, at overall statistics. I'm not looking at the SEC only because I think it's a big sample of work that you got to look at. But man, when I looked at the numbers of LSU compared to us, um, it, it's troubling. Um, to say the least, on the offensive side and and the lack of depth that we have on the offensive side. You know, I still think, um, you know, you wonder, and he's tried, you know, you've had Leneve actually got in there this weekend and you had Hewitt, who's only batting 243 himself. Um, so it's just the guys below it aren't, aren't helping themselves, although they're getting some hits when they go in, I'll say that. But the lack of depth that there is after the first nine of the hitters is is a little bit concerning that we – don't have anybody step in there despite these recruiting classes that we've had in the last couple of years. Um, it's a little bit troubling. I didn't get to see a pitch on Sunday who started behind the plate and out of that go. I think Espinal Espinal started, uh, got the start and, and um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but just what I, what I witnessed was on the first two nights was just the open, the floodgates opening once runners got on first, they weren't even, it was maybe throw over, throw over, and they were gone or gone on first pitch. And that happened a lot this weekend, which that's all scouting, Chris. That's, that's people saying, we don't think you've got the arm to throw anybody out and it's open season on the bases. And that's what Florida did. Florida pushed the envelope the entire weekend on the base paths. They took extra bases. They were just daring Vanderbilt uh, to throw people out from outfield positions. And a lot of times that, that failed. So give, uh, you know, Florida has that thing with Vanderbilt. They like to try to, you know, push them, be the bully on the beach and push them and knock them down. And, and they continue to do that. Um, and the, and especially this weekend in games. What'd you make a body language this weekend? 
seems frustrated. I, you, you compare the body language. I'm not saying they're, you know, you look at the body language against Louisville and that the bench was into that game. You could tell there was, um, it was a big victory. They had big hit by Bradfield. Um, so I, I don't think there's a lack of want to on this team. Uh, I just think it comes down to a culmination of of guys who are struggling at the plate and the back end of the bullpen who are, you know, I th- it's just topsy-turvy. You look at Thomas Schultz. Schultz, I think the last couple times he's gone out there, has done pretty well um, comparatively to what's been happening continuously with Hloboki and Cunningham. Um, when they go back out there, I think, you know, Grayson Moore had a very bad outing this weekend. You know, it, 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 they're not getting the help. Um, they're not getting the help from the back end guys that they were getting early in the season. And I don't know if that's who they played in the schedule. Um, but it, it, it does not, it doesn't bode well for a postseason when, when you've got to win a regional and we all know this, you, you got to win a regional. You have to have, you know, one more, at least minimum game victories than you do in a super. And if, if you get fall behind or you get down in a game, it is really tough to come back out of the loser's bracket. But um, you know, Carter goes one third of an inning. I might've said more. I met Grayson Carter goes one third of an inning. That's never good. You know, uh, Cunningham struck out three guys in his outing, um, gave up a run. Ginther, unsurprisingly, usually he's stronger to that. And he gave up two earned runs and two and a third. Uh, but Schultz was better. Uh, it's just for this team to go places in the postseason, And I'm not talking when I say postseason. Um, this team has no, I mean, they would never say this because they always play down there well down there in Hoover, but this team, if the guys are repairable, if Holton is repairable, meaning if he can get better and it's not a season ending thing, or, you know, you've got a Hunter Owen who can get better. I mean, this team needs to play in Hoover, uh, about as much as I need to pitch down there at age 55. I mean, they, they need to get well and get to the point of, of, you know, if they make it a couple games, that's fine. But I I can't believe I'm saying that because it usually is the, the Vanderbilt invitational down there. It has been maybe not the last couple years, but it's a place they play well. It's a big park. They usually have the, the depth and pitching to last into the weekend. I just don't see it this weekend unless, and see it this tournament that's coming up unless they just totally surprise me. They need to get well with their frontline guys in the pitching, and they need to get well mentally in the hitting department for them to do anything in the tournament that you remember. Remember the SEC tournament if you win it. If you don't win it, nobody remembers what you did in Hoover. They remember what you did in the first weekend in in June and what you do after that. And right now, that should be this team's focus. Now, how bad the injuries are, to those frontline guys, you put them out there and they're healthy. They can beat a lot of people. You don't, if you don't have those guys, it could be a quick exit. You ready for the mailbag? Let's have it. All right. The mailbag is presented. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we'll figure it out. The mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor Russell a call. 615-846-6200, see what your rights are and if they can help. 
Okay, uh, baseball bros, why do we suck so much right now? In all seriousness, is this a lack of hitting talent or bad coaching or a little of both? Uh, you know, I think we've touched on this. I think it's um, they're at a point a year right now, and you mentioned the body language. Um, several people, I think, mentioned that this weekend, but it's um, it's a matter of uh, is this team – as I mentioned before, Missouri, Georgia, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, how they played against those teams or are they uh, the, the studies, the sample of how they played against the upper echelon and how they played against Indiana State and how they played earlier against the team from Arkansas that beat us at home in the non-conference. Is this, was that an aberration, those first couple games? I don't know. Um, I, I realize that some people want to have the jump off the cliff mentality and and that's okay that's that's um that's forward tour. that's what happens all over the place i'm sure there's some lsu fans wanting to jump in the river jump in the bayou and the and the canals uh after losing to mississippi state because it means that much to them they hate losing to those guys uh, and they're one of the top teams in the country but everybody has their little quirks right now that they're trying to work through LSU's got a quirk that they've got a guy who's better than anybody in the country on Friday nights. And then they have a team that has beat up on some people in some series and swept some people, but their Sunday games have been multiple double digit wins. Mostly yesterday was a loss. Uh, and they were up 13 to four and Christian little came in and gave one up off the scoreboard and, and that was it. I mean, he couldn't get out of it. So you're, you know, everybody's got their warts that they're trying to figure out and and uh, remove them. And this team is no exception at Vanderbilt. Um, I think sucks is a, a hard word there. Uh, this team, when you look at take a step back, and I'm sure they always do. I always do with Vanderbilt baseball at the end of the year. Season's over. The selection committee show comes on. And you look at it and you go, let's just say the season ended today. You kind of look at it 35 and 16, 17 and 10 conference. Yeah, pretty good year. You know, not great. If you just, if you just looked at those numbers and didn't think about all the time, the sweeps in Knoxville and Gainesville, um, and then you reset and then you have to go that, that kind of second season of, of, uh, how you, how you're going to prepare for the tournament. So, I think um, a lot will be said about how this team rebounds this week. I, you know, I believe in coaches enough, and I, I know they are frustrated as anybody else. But I, I think we're going to see who they get out there. Will be telling as far as the rotation. It's a short week, as I mentioned, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, with middle coming on tomorrow night on Tuesday, and then the tournament after that. But um, I, th I think there's some fight in this team. I do. I'm not doubting that they, there's not any want to. I, I think I saw that in Louisville. They could have gone up there and they pitched a bunch of guys at the back end that did fairly well. Um, some did, some didn't, but they rebounded and beat a team on the road that's not as good as it used to be in Louisville, but it's a it's a win on the road against an ACC team that's usually good. And um, so I, I, th I think it's time to this team to – See what they got, and in, in, in offensively, I think that's what they got. They got to get healthy on the on the pitching side, and then you get their minds right on the offensive side because they think they've been all screwed up the last couple series uh, that we've seen them. 
Ann Arbor door. Vanderbilt isn't the only team that seems to do well at home and stinks on the road. There seems to be a lot of sweeps this year. What do you think accounts for this? Uh, I've talked to that to many people, and it, it is, again, I'm, I said that 10, 15 minutes ago. It's hard to win on this in this league on the road, especially. I think you've got a, some environments that play to that. I think you've got a lot of older teams um, that have, you know, the, with the COVID years, some 23, 24-year-old teams. I'm not saying how that relates. I'm trying to figure out how, how that relates. But I do think um, there's uh, teams generally play better on at home. Um, and we've seen some funky stuff. It, it, so if, if there's any saving grace um, and that schadenfraude, that term that I used as far as, well, it makes me feel better than when others fail, uh, the misery of others. But it, it is not just a Vanderbilt thing. It is, this has been – it is tough to win in this league on the road. And there's multiple examples of that that we've seen. Some teams that, you know, Georgia took two out of three against Tennessee at home. Um, there's multiple chances. Uh, you know, South Carolina got swept at Kentucky. Uh, and so there's examples of that. And not sure what the clear reason for that. Some years it just kind of goes like that and you kind of shake your head. But I have, I will admit to Ann Arbor, if it's Ann Arbor answer that, that this has been an unusual year for that to happen and it, and, and it continues. Uh, okay. J2M, given we are now in the age of NIL and free agency, do you think it is now okay to ask unproductive players to move on in order to create room for potential transfers? <laughs> well, you know, that discussion, I had that discussion yesterday as well. You know, this, it appears that, you know, if if you were looking at what Vanderbilt has done the last several years in recruiting classes, you know, every team has this. I mean, LSU, it's happened to the top teams, but from just a, if you were analyzing recruiting classes, you know, we're signing a bunch of dudes that don't come to campus that are really, really good. And, and it seems like you and I talk about this every June, but the, you know, the, Andrew, the Jones, Andrew Jones son, that kid, Robert Hassel Jr., those ones who you put all your eggs in these guys and the effort and the recruiting uh, in it because you're, you're, here's, the, here's where you're stuck. If you stop recruiting those kids, if you stop recruiting those kids, then you lose the notoriety of being a baseball powerhouse that the elite want to go to. And then what happens is, is you wonder if the, the shininess of the Vanderbilt program that you're not attracting the Robert Hassels and the Andrew Jones Jr. and those of the world that, that help, that hurts you with attracting that second tier of guys who actually come to campus. Um, and this is just a fight that, that I would think if I were recruiting in today's world, which I would hate, I would despise and people have heard me say this before, you spend all this emotion and time on recruiting guys that you pretty much know there's a two in 10 chance they're going to end up coming to your school. And so, you know, I mean, my question to counter the, the question that was answered here in the mailbag would be, which is what I've been harping on the last couple of weeks. If you're wanting guys to move uh, and, and, you know, trim the fat a little bit, look at the statistics again on this roster of who has gotten at-bats 
outside the top nine, you know, that, that, that would be really troubling to me. McKenzie's gotten 27 at bats. Arias has gotten two. Leneve has gotten 11. JD Rogers has gotten six. Then you have Hewitt at 70 and Espinal at 67 and McKenzie at 27. So who are these guys you're going to let go? I don't know if they're talking about guys who are regulars now or if they're people who are on the roster who have gotten zero at-bats this year. Um, you know, that's, that's where it's, to me, and, and you know, if you're talking about portal guys and NL guys, this team needs a, a power-hitting catcher with a good arm like they need air to breathe in the portal. Um, I think for next year, I think that would solve a lot of issues and it's, um, you know, getting a big bopper first baseman who, who's got some size on him and he can and hit bombs and an outfielder. I think that would solve a lot of issues, but once again, it's hard to get, it seems like, you know, it's something that this staff, it's hard to do. I mean, when your best player on the team is a fifth year guy or fourth year guy in Shrek. And you get him in the portal. We got one of those guys, and he's your best player. So something's got to give there. Am I making sense, Chris? I, I don't. Maybe you get your comments, but well, here's um, here's my thinking. Okay, it, it, it feels like everything from how he has wanted to build the program has flipped just in two years, and that would be my biggest concern about his long and and who knows, maybe even short-term future here. I don't know anything with that. It's just I'm looking around and seeing how things work. He built his program on attracting kids to come in and, and develop, and, and sometimes you get that opportunity right away, and sometimes you wait a little bit of time, and sometimes you end up being TJ McKenzie where you're a good teammate, and you get an opportunity to – crack the lineup if you're good enough and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't but it's the carrot on the stick to keep kids around and to keep a harmonious clubhouse well now not only do you have the transfer portal you have rampant tampering which didn't used to exist once upon a time you didn't even contact another kid's commitment in baseball completely unlike football when it's just you commit to a school and that's just the the checkered you know the the or the the starting flag, the white flag, I guess it is to to come and you know go poach somebody else's kids. I don't know that degrees mean that much to kids anymore. Um, and, and you know, theirs. I know people have eleven point seven in that topic to death, but it's still a lot of money to come to Vandy unless you're getting a full ride or most of a full ride. And I don't know. I just I look at. It's easy to get kids in and out if you're not happy. Uh, another school can get in your ear and get you somewhere else. It, it, that to me, it it deincentivizes development. It deincentivizes the degree, which is a big part of the selling point. Um, it deincentivizes how he wants to build his program. And on top of that, I just think the the equipment has turned things upside down. They wanted to build through speed and pitching and defense. Well. You, you can be as good as you want fielding balls, and, and you could be a really good pitcher, but if, if the balls are now going 30 or 40 feet further or whatever the number is now, I don't, I don't think that's probably inaccurate, um, given that you're seeing 
balls go 460, 470. Uh, I think somebody even hit one 500 in Wichita a couple of weekends ago. Um, it doesn't matter how fast you are, how good you are with your glove. If, if you can't keep the ball in the park, and, and if a guy that you know throws fly balls that used to go 310 and they're going now 340, they're going to leave the yard. I just see... I see a lot of things haven't changed in a very short period of time that are very antithetical to the way he wants to build and has always built. Yeah, and you look at it, at some coaches just don't want to deal with it. Look at what Jay Wright when he I, went I through. Neither I wouldn't either. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, when you've when you've built a program and when you've been around the game and it's been this way uh, in, in your whole life and then it it switches and it changes and. Some people would rather just, you know, not would just give in and just say, I'm not going to be associated with it. Um, but I agree with everything you said. And I think you and I have had these discussions. Every comment you made as far as the degree, now you're getting these guys paid. So that's kind of taken a little of the, the rub off that I can, you know, I can, I can shop myself. And trust me, that's going on. That's happened. I know that under good authority that that was happening last year to some Vanderbilt players who were participating in the regional and their interests were elsewhere shopping them. Singular or plural? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much no one, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened on, on several. Um, I know of one. Just it just it, it it's happening. And if everybody thinks that this is all, you know, there's ways around it. It's just like the coaching situations Absolutely. when they, where they're saying, you know, oh, I've had, I haven't had, when the coach says, I haven't had any contact with X school. Well, no, they personally haven't had any contact with X school because the representatives of their perfect game showcase coach did and the baseball side of it, or they're, you know, it, it, it it's happened and, there seems to be this um, self-absorption of what I can get next and what I can get uh, by some players of, of how I can better myself. And, oh, I think that one of the things that, that you said um, that rings true, and I think I mentioned it I mean, last week or the week before, I just don't understand. I just don't know how important the degree is anymore to these kids based on the fact that you don't have to sit out based on the fact that, you know, Hey, I got, I got a little pocket money now I can go, you know, buy a car or I can go help my parents out or I can, um, you know, do some other things that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And, and, um, that's troubling to me. If, if, if I've, if, if you're one of these old school guys who've done it a certain way and it's now turning against you. And again, I, I'm with you. I don't have any other information about the staff or how they believe it. I just, it, it's got to be in the back of your mind going, you know, how much longer is this going to go on? Will there be reform and how soon will the reform come? Um, you've got two schools at Ole Miss and Mississippi state. They just, they won the last two national championships and they have been at the bottom of the barrel in the SEC, and and you know those guys have be got to be banging their heads. I mean, they fired their pitching coach, Mississippi State. That was step one. Um, and you and if Lamonis doesn't turn it around, he helped himself this weekend. He might be gone. I've talked to some people who are very connected in Mississippi State, and he is extremely unpopular. And here's a guy that they were had a parade in downtown Starkville 
hoisting the trophy up two years ago. You had a guy in Ole Miss and in Bianco who was going to get fired. It's not that he might have gotten fired. It was, I mean, the the ink was not even. And then they miraculously make the tournament and they miraculously win the thing. And now they're out. They're out of the tournament. And his quote in the press conference was after they got beat and eliminated was, you know, guys, we're not that bad. We're just, we're just, we're, I hope you know, we're really not this bad. We've had some bad luck. Well, when you're pouring this money into these programs like Mississippi State is and like Ole Miss is with renovations, it's this, what have you done for me lately thing goes to the absolute top of the totem pole and, you know, hey, man, you, we love you. We love you in that team picture that's going to be in our trophy case for a long time for winning the whole thing. But we got to move on. And so it's just it's crazy. And I, and I don't want to be grandpa, get off my lawn here. Uh, sometimes I feel like that <clears throat> people who are baseball purists can do that and they don't accept change. I get change. Uh, I, the game's changed over time, but man, it's, it's, uh, it's happened very rapidly, as you said, the last two years. And, um, you, you know, you just wonder if it's ever going to get back to the way it was, or if this is just the new normal. Well, look, there's two things here. Um, that even applies to Vandy. I mean, you're hearing Scott Brown and Mike Baxter getting criticized constantly. And I, is there probably something to that? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've had issues here and there with both of them over the years. But if you look at the long-term track record, they've both done well. I mean, Baxter coached the best hitting team maybe I remember at Vanderbilt in 2019. For all the hand-wringing over last year, they ended up statistically, I think, near the top or middle of the pack in runs scored in, in the league. I mean, that's... We can debate what that counts for or doesn't count for, but I, I don't think it's nothing. Uh, and 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 here we are, where we are right now, uh, and and you hear, you see those names getting thrown out a lot, particularly one that that's number one. Number two, I don't warrant anybody's behavior or character. It, it's not personal. I, I that's. That's you, that's Tim Corbin, that's anybody. Uh, I have lived life long enough that I have seen people that I knew really, really, really well that did things I never in a million years thought I would see them do. Uh, If anybody lives long enough, that has happened to you. (sighs) On the other hand, I, I know the narrative out there about the way Tim wants to build his program, I know the stuff that he said to me privately about how he wants to build his program. Again, I don't warrant anybody uh, for for someone is doing good things and somebody's cheating or whatever. I, and I'm not saying read between the lines and Tim Corbin's cheating. Don't don't hear that at all. I'm just saying it is human nature for me to always be skeptical about anybody and everybody because you have to be. But. I think if perception is is close to being true there, you've got a way he wants to run a program, and I think you've got a set of incentives right now that does not penalize anybody for anything, and it rewards the worst of the worst human beings who do not blink or bat an eye to get an edge, whether that's equipment, whether that's tampering, wherever that extends. 
And that's just not a good place to be. No. And, and, you know, you've got in this generation and I've talked with parents before of, you know, the social media, the, the, the posting as, as every kid, it seems like, and I've had discussions with my kids about it before my personal kids is this Instagram, TikTok world of everybody wants to look at other people and what they're doing and not what they're doing and not be satisfied with what they're doing. That's the, the satisfaction of seeing, uh, what others are doing, uh, in their lives and who they're with. And the same in my parallel is, is a lot of these kids, I think today in, in, I'm, I'm relating this to the portal. Everybody's looking and seeing what this program, everything's so accessible and you can see what another baseball program is doing and what their athletes are doing and what cars they're driving. And, uh, you can read between the lines there, but it just seems like this, what's in it for me, what's next for me, what's, you know, in some, you know, in the federal basketball, I have no idea why Jordan Wright, you know, some say with the Lawrence situation that he has a child and, and that he needs to do what's best for his family at this point now, raising the kid, whatever that's been thrown out there. But then you sit there and you wonder why other players have made those decisions. It could be coaching and personality deals, but still, uh, Jordan Wright going to back home to LSU. Okay, well, why wouldn't he stay here and get all those things? Now, he graduated, and I give him that. Maybe he just wants to go home. But my parallel is this. A lot of these kids just – it is this generation of 18 to 22-year-olds, but not just 18. It's younger than that, of what's – of always wanting something better and looking through the lens of social media through their friends, as far as I want to, I want to have what other people are having and, and, and I don't have to sit out. There's no penalty for it. Um, and I think that's generationally, now will it flip? I don't know. But when you start throwing money at people and I think there was a, who was the Michigan basketball player that he quoted and said he was, only he was getting less than six figures for his nil payments. I mean, you know, God, that, that, when you think about it, it's it's incomprehensible for me to even think that that's happening. But it's it's the world today, and it's what was created. And until there's some change about it, it's going to continue. So, um, we've kind of gone around in a circle about that, <laughs> but but um, it's nuts. It's crazy. Well, if you want to add another layer to it, I've asked him before because they used to over-recruit, and that got him criticized, him being Tim Corbin. And, and yeah, I, I think it's fair to ask questions and wonder. His explanation for that was, well, you just be honest with kids. Now, I don't know what that meant. Maybe that was different in every conversation. But if if you take him at his word that – that should mean something. I, I don't think you can take every coach in this country at their word when it comes to a lot of promises they make. Certainly that's not that way in football. And I think that has also crept its way into baseball. But you can lose a kid to false promises, and, and, and maybe that ends up being a bad decision for the kid later. Uh, but that doesn't make you feel any better once he's gone and has left a hole on your team. And I'm not suggesting that's happened that's just another part of all this. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it, it's um, uh, 
it will be interesting to see. You know, you're talking about a staff that I don't think Tim Corbin used to use Twitter a lot. I think he maybe uses it once a year. You know, I mean, he just to promote his program. It's just again, we're getting back to, you know, do you beat him or uh, do you try to beat him or join him? And, and um, you know, it's just um, it's a difference of of philosophy that I think that some programs have and others don't. And and I'm not saying there's kids that are unhappy necessarily at Vanderbilt or, or what have you, but I, I think it's, it's just that a constant looking over your shoulder, what's going on and looking on the horizon and what can I do to better myself? That's been allowed by this open free agency that's happened in, in college athletics. And, and, um, you know, when you're, when you're influenced easily by glitz and photos and videos and, and, uh, you know, those type of things, it, 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 um, it shows his face, but, um, interesting times we're living in now, just, um, as far as how all that goes. And you wonder, is it going to go in one direction that there's going to be a correction? There's going to be a market correction where some rules are going to be implemented and they're going to put a cap on things and whatever, or is it going to go to the extreme on the other end of the pendulum where it's just even more where you're seeing guys, uh, getting even more ridiculous deals, even in sports like baseball, it's already happening in football and basketball, but even more ridiculous deals just to get them on campus to attract them with the glitz and glitter and, and the green, the greenbacks too. Um, that has a lot to do with it too. And what opportunities they can get to get money in their, in their pocket. Hey, in football, you have to pay people just to get them on campus sometimes. Are you for visit. Not, Oh yeah. Not, not, not just for, Hey, committing, but I need money just to come visit your campus in addition to the fully paid official. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Fortunately, the NCAA is in charge. Okay. Poor fan, Vandy, six, one, five, poor Vandy fan, six, one, five, whatever. Um, sorry. Any word. And I think we've answered a lot of this already. Any word on potential return for Holt and Owen and Dukanich, with Holton, do we know if his issues or more mechanics, injury or physical or mental fatigue or all the above? Would the selection committee possibly take season-ending injuries into account for players and teams when seeding teams for the postseason if it came down to making a decision between the two teams? All right, I will answer one part of that question and leave it to you. I know with Holton's, the issue is the same as it was, I don't know, was it the Missouri series? Was that the third week of yeah. the year? Is is it is now? It's just a lingering situation of okay, right now he doesn't need surgery or anything like that. But what what if it gets worse? And I, I'm not speculating it will if he pitches. I don't know. That's the part I can add. I'll let you take the rest. Well, he didn't he didn't pitch all that much in the fall, did he, Chris Holton? I don't I, think. I, if I remember. If I remember correctly, so um, that's a little alarming. If he had it, if he had thrown a bunch of innings in some fall contests, and then he came came in and and this happened. But I, I think he had some time off, and I think he played. Did he did he not play in the USA team, one of the national teams last summer, and then they kind of shut him down, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, sounds uh, about right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the, the, when we've talked about that, we don't. I'd be guessing if I told you about the others uh, with Owen and. They're, those guys are pretty tight-lipped, as they should be over there. Uh, they get asked, and they give some brief answers, which I get. 
Um, the second part of it was, oh, as far as seeding, I really don't know if they do that as much as perhaps the rumor is they do it in basketball. I think they've you see in basketball the NCAA tournament after they released the bracket, you've seen some interviews with the, the head of the selection committee and they, they're asked about an injury situation and then they admit that either, yes, they took that in consideration or not. I'm not sure if baseball that is done that much, um, uh, comparatively. So I think in this case, what you have, you're going to have your obvious players who are going to be national seeds in the upcoming tournament. And there's going to be, many sec teams and i think there's pressure on some of the committee if, if i think it's natural that if they load up the tournament with national seeds from the sec which predominantly is the best conference in the america i get it but if you're one of those teams that's on a tailspin at the end of the year and you're not playing well it gives you don't want to give the committee an excuse to put you like well we're just going to slide vanderbilt to nine or ten so we potentially don't have, you know, six teams in Omaha from the SEC. That doesn't guarantee it. But if you're on a tailspin and you you get swept a couple series in a row and and things don't look good for you, I'm just saying that's where the predicament Vanderbilt's in, where these games this weekend are vital if they can get stringed together two out of three against a team that's got the RPI of Arkansas and the quality in leading the West – then yes, it, it it would be a big mark on your resume, regardless of what they do in Hoover. Forget Hoover. But um, I don't think, and maybe you, I don't think it matters as much for some reason in baseball as it does in basketball or other sports, mainly yeah, basketball. I, I, my gut is you're right. I meant to ask you this earlier, and I apologize if I did. There's been a lot made of their pitching decisions. And we can go all the way back to, well, I mean, you can go back as far as them holding Holton and, and Owen out for different starts. There was some grumbling about that, about, you know, why, <laughs> why, why, why do you just hold a guy out and not throw your best arms? Uh, well, now, now I think you know. But the other part of that is, And I do not know what they knew or didn't know or or know now and didn't know then or any of that. So this is complete speculation. But when I'm watching them, for instance, in that Kentucky game on Sunday when, when it's close late, they end up winning. But they're behind a run or two, and I think Maldonado had thrown no more than a dozen pitches on Friday. Didn't throw Saturday. And you're thinking that's the spot where Maldonado will be pitching, right? Bring him in in the eighth, hope that you get some runs back and, and can win it in the end. And in the meantime, he's as close to a fail-safe option as you got. That's not what they did. They went and used Jack Anderson for an inning, and, and I think they threw somebody else, Thomas Schultz, at a time where he wasn't throwing yeah, well. Yeah, they did. And my first thought at the time was, well, there were two thoughts – one of them was this is seeing maybe what they can get. In, in other words, when we get to the point where we need a sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth arm, fill in the blank with the appropriate number. Who can we trust in spots? That comes in handy down the road. But the other thought in the back of my head was 
what if there's something else going on that they don't know that they can get some of their key arms to the finish line? And we're, we being them, conserving arms. In other words, um, we need to make sure nothing's wrong with Nick Maldonado. So let's just leave him with the 12 pitches he threw Friday. You know, whether that meant something was wrong with Maldonado or not, I don't know. Whether that was precautionary because of the other dominoes, I don't know. But you saw it again this weekend. And that's just been in the back of my head for several weeks now. That whole, is this a signal that they're not really confident about a lot of their main guys being there when it when it matters near the end or at the end? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to do that, and and you got to you have to know who your six, seven, eight guys are on the staff to get you through because it's really not going to ma- matter if you don't. Your your stay at in a, in a regional is going to be short anyway if if you don't do that. I mean, I, and you you look at what I just mentioned earlier in the broadcast on the on the podcast about you know, I think when I mentioned that Schultz, I think has been impressive over the last two or three outings he's had compared to some of the other guys. So you have to, you know, and then you're getting, and, and it's one of your, I think somebody posted on your board the other day about, you know, well, do you stretch Maldonado out and let, no, you don't do that. You don't, Maldonado is a closer. He hasn't stretched himself out. He cannot become a starter at this point of the season. He's, he's not, you just can't do that to him, his arm's not ready for it. Um, so you have to have those guys who are going to finish you off and, and get, you know, get you some help in a regional when you need that extra game or two to, to get yourself in the position to win a regional to, to extend the season. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a razor thin, um, level there of when you can advance if you don't have your top three guys are one thing, which I think, as I mentioned, the LSU's going to have to find out here as far as who they have after schemes. Because if if they're going to be in a position that if, if they could be, as I mentioned, the UT, I know you, you and I talked about this all, UT is a much better team than LSU. Last year was a much better team than LSU is this year. I agree with that, but as much as the hoopla about LSU has been all year, if they don't get their act together, you know, they're going to be in trouble in, in any situation, even in a regional, perhaps, if somebody comes up on them and 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 defeats them. So, yeah, it's I, I agree with you. I think you've got to find you got to put your only way you're going to know is if you put those guys in situations where they can deal with the pressure and let you and let them know that you can deal with them late in the season and when it when it counts sometimes these elite teams are hanging on by a thread too i think you're starting to see it with lsu and remember arkansas that team that was just unbeatable two years ago that everybody talked about who can beat them well if you're paying attention they were having to use kevin cops to the last drop you know twice a weekend to, to a point you're just like how in the world are they doing this and eventually it broke him in the end there's a lot of teams right now besides them that are just just hanging on and white-knuckling it. Um, and there's a lot of other teams around the country, too, that there's probably very similar pitching conversations going on in different coaching offices of, well, wait a minute, um, we need this guy at the end, 
but we also need him now to get us to host or to, to, to get in the tournament or whatever. And how do you balance between all those things? I mean, they're not – these guys throw so hard and they throw so many pitches these days, or, or maybe don't throw so many pitches because they throw so hard. They're hardly the only team in that boat. I know you know that. I'm just making a comment here. Let me let me ask you the question. On um, May the 15th, Vanderbilt the national seed? May the 15th, uh, today, if it had to be decided that. You're going to give uh, you know, does the let me NCAA pull up. give four of the eight national seeds? They give them the SEC schools? Is Vanderbilt one of your eight national seeds? That's hard to well, say without Well, and I'll, I'll do Arkansas. this. It usually takes me a couple of days to do my research on this, and I usually got it done Tuesday and Wednesday. I don't have it at this point. Okay, I'm looking at the RPI. Vanderbilt, we, Kentucky won. Vanderbilt would be ahead of Kentucky in that discussion. Wake Forest, two. Wake would be the number one overall seed. I can say almost without a doubt. South Carolina three, Vandy right now I think would be ahead of South Carolina by virtue of a series win and a better conference record. So that's one team as we're going down the RPI that's ahead of them for sure. Arkansas at four, no question Arkansas is ahead of them right now. That could change if Vanderbilt were to win the series this weekend. LSU, five RPI. Uh, LSU would be ahead of them right now. So that's three, Florida, six, Florida, no doubt would be ahead of them right now. That's four. Vanderbilt is seven in the RPI. So when you get to their spot in the RPI, they are probably the fifth team in the field nationally. You get behind them. Clemson is 35 and 17. Let me see what Clemson is in the ACC because that means a lot. Okay. Clemson is eight, 17 and 10 in the ACC. I don't know who the big wins are. I would presume based on momentum, which Clemson has in Vanderbilt, doesn't that would be five going ahead of Vanderbilt sliding Vandy to six Virginia at 41 or 11 nine in the RPI 16 and 11 in the ACC uh I would think Virginia at this point would slide ahead of Vandy so it would put Vandy what seven a uh, number 10 in the RPI is Alabama uh Alabama sub 500 in conference so they're not going to host much less be a national seed coastal Carolina next 33 and 17 uh, 20 and seven in the Sun Belt. Worse RPI. I I don't know. I doubt it, but maybe. Um, then you go down. Stanford. Stanford would be ahead of them. Uh, so that would be Wake, Arkansas, LSU, Florida, ahead of them for sure. I would say probably Clemson, probably Virginia, Stanford for sure. So, yeah, I would say right now they're probably hosting, but not hosting two weekends would be my guess, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's just um, it's a fine line, and it makes this weekend important. I don't think it's going to make it important enough that they're going to risk pitching some guys, uh, and that's the quandary they're in, pitching some guys that can make them a, a much different team. Uh, than they would be uh, when they if they had them, and so that's the quandary they're in right now. But I was just curious if you, I know that you follow it. You and I talk about RPI and strength schedule and the rankings and all that. But I, I'm I agree with what you're saying. All right, two more, then I'll get us out of here. Chester Copperpot one. What change aside from level of competition from the first half of the SEC to the second half? Lost three or four series and has not been overly competitive in them. 
Well, it's hard to say other than the competition because when you when you look when you look at what the overall standings and wins and losses, there's a reason. Uh, I mean, you've got Missouri, Missouri, ten and seventeen; Georgia, ten and seventeen; Ole Miss, six and twenty-one; Mississippi State, eight and nineteen. Uh, we we have the opportunity to play four of the of the bottom of the conference, um, and um, man, you know what changed? I goodness, I mean, injuries obviously. I mean, injuries had a lot to play with it. Um, I just think that we've had some guys whose confidence has been shaken, and they've been facing some really good pitching here lately. Um, I mean, I think Florida's really good. I mean, I think Florida's an Omaha team uh, for sure with what they put out there this weekend. I think they just got a mixture of power and and uh, pitching that is pretty good. And I think we're going to see another team this weekend that if they're healthy is an Omaha team. So a lot of that has to do with how the schedules flipped. Um, really to answer his question more than anything. And then just some lack of confidence that some guys have had at the hitting side where the, the, the numbers have just plummeted. I never would have thought that Enrique Bradfield and you look at him when Enrique Bradfield's numbers of the season overall, he's hitting 290. And that's what was he, what did he end up last year? I forgot what it was, but it was, you know, the fact that he's been caught stealing six times this year and he's hitting under 300 is not something that I would expect from his senior year. He had a timely hit against Louisville the other night and got him back in the ball game. But it's just, he was frustrated all weekend, just hitting ground ball after ground ball, shortstop, grounded out in the yesterday, especially just ground balls, um, easy outs. It doesn't matter how much speed you can't, you can't steal first. If you, if you can't get on, you can't steal and you can't, be in that position where you're you're churning the offense. So I don't know if it's a great answer I got, but I think a lot to has to do with the schedule, the way it played out more than anything, and then lack of confidence by the hitters and the injuries to the pitching staff. If those guys are healthy, it's a whole different matter. And they've proven that with what they put out there when they pitch, but when they're not healthy, they haven't. All right, Bradfield batting averages a freshman year through now, 336 freshman, 317 last year, 290 now. On base percentages, 451 freshman, 415 last year, 442 this year. Uh, the slugging has gone way down, too. At one point, he was slugging better than the 435 he's slugging now. Um, I, I still, to me, I, I don't see the same guy getting down first and trying to steal second and third. It just to me looks like he's a step slower than what he was. Yeah, I don't know. Um, just and then the running and the, the the scoring runners in scoring position statistic is just one that just has killed this team so far. And when they can't move guys over and and they can't, you know, they cannot seem to capitalize on any momentum, getting any forward momentum going with runners in scoring position. It's it's going to be, if if the season ended today, and let's just pretend the season stopped right now, that would be one of those things in the last month that has plagued this team and has been to their demise is they just can't push runners. They get the runners on, but they cannot advance runners in scoring position. And, and that has been the death knell of this team so far, I think, in what they've done um, in Knoxville, what they did in Gainesville, um, what they did last weekend in Tuscaloosa. It's, it's been a recurring theme, and it's something they got to stop. 
All right, last one, Bighorn Sheep. I know every game in series counts, but it looked like the Mississippi State series was an anomaly in terms of hitting. Thoughts on that, and where would Vanderbilt rank in batting in SEC games if you took that series away? Yeah, I mean, that that inflates the numbers. I know that, you know, you, you know at some modes of statistics, you, you take the, the worst one out and the best one out and see how that does. I mean, but the, the big 26-run um outing does inflate things, but, um, you know, I don't know your thoughts on that, Chris, because I mean, we've talked about that. The, there are numbers that are numbers uh, and you kind of have some theories on that too. I might let you take that one. I mean, well, how do you feel? I, it, it, um, yeah, they all count and, and, but it's, um, that's a hard one to put a finger on. Well, if, if you wanted to get the best answer, you would, there's eight other teams that have played Mississippi State so far in the league, too. And you would have to go and do the same thing for them. Take their stats out against Mississippi True. State. Um, let me look at what they've done in the league. Their pitching staff, States, has given up um, 266 runs. Well, that's a lot. So, point, point is, a lot of teams have been scoring runs off Mississippi State. They're not they're not the only ones. Uh, in fact, you take you take Vandy out of it. They scored, I think, fifty five runs that weekend. State is still giving up, uh, what two eleven in what would be nineteen games. I mean, my goodness, that's <laughs> that's still <laughs> what eleven runs a, a game. Lot. A lot. Uh, so so yeah, a lot, look, a lot of teams benefited. And that's kind of what I've been saying too. Is a lot of teams have benefited from pounding bad pitching. That's just you can say that means nothing. It means something, but it is part of the number. Um, just as when you you face an elite pitching staff, that's also part of what you face. So I, I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, they've scored 130 runs in the what in the I'm sorry Mississippi State would have played. 24 games aside from Vandy. So that's 211 divided by 24. It's nine runs a game-ish in that case. Um, So Vandy, you do the same thing. You take 55 runs. They would have scored 130 in the other 24 games, which isn't isn't great. Let me see what that averages out to. That's 5.4 runs a game. Uh, now, if you want to start mm-hmm. taking Georgia, Mississippi, you know, and Ole Miss out of there too, then it looks really bad against the the better teams. But again, they're they're probably not the only team in that company. By the way, A and M, which had been hitting anybody and everybody, got beat twice by Alabama and College Station. and got shut out on Sunday. You think they're out? I think they had to win those games this weekend. Uh let's see. 39 RPI, 12 and 15. They have got, ooh, at Mississippi State this weekend. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Mississippi State's, Mississippi State's trying to battle to make the tournament, just make the SEC tournament. Right now, they would be out. Um, the two teams that would be out would be the two Mississippi State teams, and then you'd have Missouri and Georgia kind of on that doorstep it's really between those missouri georgia miss you know Ole miss is out so it's really between they have to mississippi state's gonna have to make some ground on the win column they're gonna have to win definitely gonna have to win two and have some help mississippi state 
is is battling with Georgia and Missouri for that last spot. Yeah. It did not play either. Right. So, so there's no so there's there's no head to head tiebreaker. State is right. two games behind both those teams. Um, so if Missouri were to win one, Missouri's got this weekend. Ark, no, I'm sorry, not Arkansas. Uh, at Auburn, that won't be easy. Georgia this weekend has got LSU in in Athens. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. So if either of those teams win one game, State would have to sweep and then go to tiebreaker head to head, and the question becomes. You know, did, did any did you beat the the team at the top? Um, yeah, which would be probably Arkansas, could be Florida, could be LSU. So anyway, that's that's a lot more than people probably wanted. <laughs> well, they uh, it just yeah, it looks like an uphill climb for for state. I thought they had a better chance than that when I was looking at things last night, but I didn't realize they didn't play each other with with the tiebreaker. So it's gonna it's gonna be. I'm not saying impossible for them to make the SEC tournament, but it doesn't look good. Yeah, how bad do you feel if you're Mississippi State? Um, you didn't play Georgia, you didn't play Missouri, you also didn't play Florida. By the way, Florida did not play this year. Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State. Yeah, that's the three that's, teams that's that true. will play. And I, I don't think Kentucky and Lexington is going to be a cakewalk for them either. No, no, that's Kentucky's playing. I think Kentucky and Auburn right now are playing really, really well. I mean, as far as just teams to look out for. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn did some damage. But either one of those teams did some damage in Hoover. I think they was, they could help their resume um, even more. Uh, and you know, Kentucky's RPI is number one in the country. As we mentioned, they've kind of been in that top five. But Auburn's got a lot to play for in Hoover um, in front of a lot of their fans next week. So, team to look for, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Auburn will already be in the NCAA tournament. Um, at this yeah. point, fourteen and thirteen. I, I think fourteen and sixteen is going to get him in. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, all right. Parting thoughts on baseball, the real estate business, wherever you'd like to go. Well, we'll make it short on both. Just uh, you know, tomorrow's game against MTSU is, is a reset game. I think they have to, you know, with the game on Thursday this week, it's a short week. It's a short turnaround. They're just going to have. 48 hours until they play, but I think it's more of a mental thing. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to watch and see how the hitting approach, if they tinker with the lineup any offensively, um, that's what I'm looking for to get some guys back on track confidence-wise. As far as this series, it's not going to be easy. Arkansas is a very good club trying to win the West. And if it, um, we could have a repeat of last weekend, if, if the right guys aren't healthy, it's going to be an uphill climb, I think, for a team that's playing really, really well. And I think an Omaha team, when healthy, Arkansas is as good as any team out there in the conference. So we'll see what happens and um, hopefully get some good reports on the, some of those pitching guys who were held out, but you just don't know in today's age. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody um, the other night. Uh, you just wonder if this, you know, there was a lot of flack that this coaching staff got and i'm not saying tim Corbin and scott brown and mike back are reactionary in a way but you know with the kumar rocker situation where the injury with his arm and and all that i don't know if you have any comments on that but it's just the fact that he, he there was some of that flack that with the medical reports and then his eventually getting the surgery and and i think there's you're seeing people more and more cautious 
on the coaching staffs around the country. And you're seeing that and you're seeing a lot of people in influence who these kids who are saying, you know, you need to get a second opinion. You need to take some time off. You're going to hurt your draft status. I think that's a combination of that going on too. So big weekend coming up at the Hawk and um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then we move on to the tournament. So we'll see how it rolls as far as the real estate business and Frederick and Clark Realty has been around for goodness. Chris say this, it, Seems like I add a year every time, but over 58 years in the real estate business in Middle Tennessee. It's a family business that my father played basketball at Vanderbilt. Uh, Jerry Frederick, my late father, started with uh, a partner here in Nashville 57, 58 years ago. My brother Steve and I are the owners of that company now. We've got over 180 agents in two locations, one in Brentwood and Maryland Farms, and then one here about a block south of the Green Hills Mall. So we have professional agents who can help the listeners here, if they have a real estate need, whether it's buying or selling a home, you can check us out on the web at frederickandclark.com and look at all our listings and listings of homes in the Middle Tennessee area. We serve uh, all the communities around the Middle Tennessee area can help you uh, with your needs. So if you have any questions, you can call me personally. I'll talk to you about what you need to do, some advice, and buying or selling a home. Love to talk to any listeners here of the podcast about their real estate needs. And again, that's frederickandclark.com. You can reach me at 615-327-4800. Thanks so much, Chip. We'll see you Monday. All right, Chris. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.